0: Hi, I'm Max Linsky. Today on the Books That Changed Us, Shay Serrano, the author of three New York Times bestsellers, one of which was picked by Barack Obama as one of his favorite books of last year. Another was turned into a six episode TV series for AMC. Currently, Shay is a staff writer at The Ringer.
1: All right. Who are you and what do you do? Who am I? You invited me on this thing. <laughs> I'm Shea Serrano. I'm a writer. That's what I do. Shea, what was, the, uh, what was the book that inspired you to become a writer? Oof. I don't think there was one specific book that like, inspired me to become a writer. This was not a job that I had intended on doing growing up. It was just like a thing that I accidented my way into. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be cheating... If I mentioned Bill Simmons' books, because those were like the first books where, that I read outside of college, where I was like, oh, this guy who I see on the internet has a book, I should probably read it. I think the first one that I read there was Now I Can Die in Peace, which was just like a, an anthology of some columns that he had written, and he put a bunch of footnotes in there. I was working in construction at the time, and at a construction site, there's usually like a trailer that the builders, like the superintendents, uh, work out of, and every once in a while I would go in there, and we had like one computer in the trailer, and if the computer was up, there was like a an ESPN screen that had a yellow background. I knew that they were reading like Bill Simmons' thing. That's how I came to identify it. So I I started reading his stuff that way, and then I found that book in a Barnes and Noble one day, and I was like, oh shit, this is the guy. Like I bought it. I didn't know anything about baseball, but it was just fun to read. And then he had a basketball book a little while after called the Book of Basketball. That was probably the first time I was excited about a book. But I think if we're talking about one that like influenced me as a writer, and I'm not allowed to
0: pick my boss, is that what we're talking about here? Well, you can pick whoever you want. I think what I meant was like, was there a book, and maybe it is Book of Basketball, that was like, oh, I could do this, or I want to do this. Oh, oh, then no, then it wasn't that one.
1: Because when I read that one, I was like, oh, I could never do anything like this. Because that thing (laughs) is like fucking 900 pages long and it's super intense. Uh, That one didn't make me feel like it. There was one that made me want to try to write like in a certain kind of way. And there's this book called Chuck Klosterman 4. Chuck is probably my favorite author. Like I have every one of his books that he's written. I'm like excited when they come out or pre-order them. But that was one that I just sort of, I didn't know anything about him. I went to the bookstore. This was at the very beginning of my writing career. And I had decided just through reading on the internet, that I wanted my career to be like, I go and I meet the famous person, and then I profile that famous person for a prestigious magazine or whatever. And so I went to the bookstore specifically to find a book that was like a collection of those things. And I found, like I asked the worker there, and she was like, oh, I know who you're talking about or what you need. And she gave me that book, and I went to open it to read it. And it's not just a collection of profiles, it turned out. It was like, three or four different sections, but it opened up, that like very first part of it was a story, like a fiction story about a guy who was recounting a, a basketball game that he played in in middle school. And I remember reading it and being like, this is fucking incredible. <laughs> and it's just like really smart and funny. And Chuck has this way of writing to where he, He does like the opposite of what I try to do. Whenever I'm writing, I'm like writing my way toward a point. And when I'm done with the article or the chapter or whatever, I'm like, this is the thing I was trying to say. It's this very clearly stated. Chuck goes the opposite direction and the thing ends and he never really answers a question directly. He'll answer it indirectly. You have to like go back and read the thing a few times where you figure out what he was trying to say. But uh, that was the first time I'd seen anything like that. And I thought it was just really smart and fun and I like, oh, I'm gonna just rip this guy's whole style off. That's my plan. <laughs> where where were you in your life at that moment? I was uh, 27, 28 years old. So I was just gotten married. I just had kids. I was like right at the like beginning of when you're walking toward becoming an adult. You know, you're not really an adult until you're like in your yeah. 30s. It feels like. And were you writing? I had just started writing. Yeah, I was freelancing for different places, and I was doing a lot of like. A lot of music writing at the time for the Houston press. And the
0: Klosterman book was like, maybe I want to be writing books.
1: No, it wasn't that I wanted to be writing books. It was like, I want to, whatever I write, I want to write it with the sort of zeal that he's doing here. Where he, you could tell he was writing for himself. He wasn't worried about like what other people were going to say about it. He wasn't trying to like entertain other people. It felt like to me, it felt like he was just writing a thing in a way that he thought was cool.
0: Like, that's the sort of thing that, that pulls me uh, toward writing. And at that point, when you were writing, like, the music stuff for the press and, and whatnot, were you, did you feel like you were writing for other people?
1: I felt like I had no idea what I was doing at the time. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I honestly, I didn't have any experience with writing. It, I just was like, oh, I'll read some books and some articles on the internet, and then I'll just give it a try and sort of fuck up until I can, like, head in the right direction. Like a, like a Roomba when it's going around the room and it's, it hits the wall <laughs> and it's like, not this way, not th- you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I was doing uh, for the, like, the first five years of my career. But Chuck, like, provided me with
0: an endpoint of where I wanted to be. Is there a, is there a book or, or the book that changed you in some fundamental way?
1: Yeah, I think if I'm picking a, a book that has changed me fundamentally, there's one that I read a couple of years ago. And let me be clear here. I didn't start, like, Everybody assumes because you're a writer, you're like reading all of the time. And like, like I do read a bunch, but it's mostly like articles on the internet. It's not a ton of books that didn't start until well after college. So most of the, all of my book stuff is from like, I don't know. I have a 10 year reservoir here of books that I've read, but the one that I read a few years ago, it was called 99 stories of God by Joy Williams. And I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know she was like this brilliant writer. Um, I didn't know any of her history. I just was reading The Ringer one day, the website where I work, and this writer I like named Rob Harvilla, he was writing about this particular book and he was talking about how great it was and like all of the different things that it did. And it was a little bit weird. And so I was really interested in, I said, well, if this book impressed him and he impresses me, like, let me go find it. So I ordered it real quick. And it showed up and it's not like a collection of short stories because some of them are super, super short. It's more like a vignette of a bunch of like just bursts, like a a single page and there's some text on it and that's it. And you read them and for like the first 20, you have no idea what the fuck is going on because none of them are really related. They're just sort of like a story about like, like a daughter who gets a letter. She like mails a letter to her deceased mom, like her last known address. And then she gets a response and it's like in her mom's handwriting, but she doesn't open it because I don't, and that's like how the story ends, whatever. Uh, but it's like a bunch of little things like that. And this is another person who, while I was reading it, it to me seemed very clear that she was only writing this because it was like interesting to her and she wasn't worried about anything else. So you can like it if you want to like it or don't like it, but I'm going to write this for me. And by the time I got to the end of it, you realize all of these stories are certainly connected in a certain way. And it was just like, I don't know. I like when a book has like a moment like that when you go like, oh, shit, I get it now. I understand the thing from earlier. I understand this single part. So that was really appealing to me. But also she just wrote it with such confidence. There was so much confidence in the writing. Just sometimes I get nervous when I'm writing a thing and I'm like hesitant or, or have like these qualifiers in there or whatever. But this one, it was just like... This unmitigated confidence that she was writing with. And I thought that was really, really cool. And I said, Oh, I should try to be more like this. I should try to just fucking go for it. It doesn't matter how weird or or strange a thing might seem. I'm just gonna go for it. And did you do that? Did you take that to heart? No. No. <laughs> this is like when this is like when you watch a movie and you leave the movie and you're like, I'm gonna live that way. And then immediately you remember. You are a total coward, and there's no way you could ever live that way. Like, it's something you aspire to, but you never quite reach. Are you more confident as a writer now than you once were? I am more confident in my ability to achieve a certain amount of success. That that has changed. Only because at this point, I have a bunch of people who are following me on Twitter. I have like a built-in network that I can go directly to. And be like, I have a thing.
0: And when you say success there, that
1: means an audience. That means an audience. That means like if I know right now if I put a thing out, I can sell a thousand copies of the thing. Regardless of what it is, I'm pretty confident I could do that. That's the only thing that has changed. But as far as like confidence in my writing ability, no, that's, that's still way down here. <laughs> that, that's, that's a flat line? those are two totally different things. This is like when I go, if I go to the park to play basketball, there's a park by my house that I go to all the time and I play basketball there and I've gone there enough times that I have made friends. So I know walking up to the court, I will be picked to play on the team because I know enough people at this point, but I'm not going to make more shots than I would otherwise. You know what I'm saying? That's what this feels like here with like, confidence in like achieving a certain level of success versus confidence in my actual writing ability. I'm, I'm
0: still very insecure a lot of the times. And when you started writing your books, was there a book or or books that really helped you think about what you wanted them to be? Were the books that inspired your own work?
1: Yeah. I mean, beyond the like way Chuck was writing or is writing beyond the way that Joy wrote that book, just like structurally, there's a writer I like, his name is Nelson George, and he's written a bunch of stuff. But he wrote a book that I read while I was researching for this rap book. Uh, I wrote a rap book in 2015, so I was like reading every book I could find on rap. And his was the first one that I had read that wasn't like an autobiography, but it was by somebody who was in this world and had firsthand knowledge of things. And he was really, really good about writing it in a way that allowed you a peek into this world without making himself the center of the book. It was never a book about Nelson George, but he was always telling you some shit that had happened to him or that he'd experienced or a room that he'd been in. And that to me was like the super interesting thing because that's such a hard trick to pull off. And that's a mistake that I make a lot of the time when I go back and reread my old stuff.
0: Wait, the mistake you're talking about is making whatever you're writing about about you yeah like pulling too much away from
1: what i'm supposed to be writing about and and it might like become a thing about how it affected me you know like if i'm writing an album review there should not be a point where it's like oh and here's what this means to me and here's a memory that it reminded me of and like all of a sudden we're not talking about the album anymore shouldn't do that the like if you pull an anecdote into a story or to an article or anything it should help you, like, arrive at whatever your main point is supposed to be. It should not help you arrive at, like, a story about yourself. Do you think you've gotten better at it in, like, your
0: subsequent book writing?
1: Yeah, that, that, so that's one place I can say, okay, I've gotten better at that. But mostly because that's a very easy thing to track. It's very easy to reread a thing and go, like, Oh, I stopped talking about the what I was supposed to be talking about at this point and I never came back to it. Like it's that's easy to find. So now, like now when I'm rereading something or editing a, a book chapter, I can go, "Oh, okay, I need to bring this back around and connect this all back together." How often do you go back to stuff that you've written? Not super often. Usually I do it if I'm like working on a thing that maybe ties back to something that I've already written. That's usually the only time. Like if it's part of research for another thing. Like right now, for example, I'm working on a new book about rap. And so I have not reread the first rap book I wrote since it came out. Like I'm, I don't have any interest in it in and like seeing what I was talking about, but I'm going to go back and reread it because there are certain facts in there that I need to refresh on. But no, that's not a thing I'm interested in. Here's a good story. Here's a story about how bad I am at this. One time I was on Twitter and I was talking about a song or a musician and a person sent me a screenshot of, uh, it was a block of text about this particular musician. And I read it. And I said, this is like the dumbest, most far-fetched opinion that I've ever seen, ever. This is the <laughs> dumbest thing. And I didn't like respond to it. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to like tear other people down on Twitter. But I did not respond to it. Uh, so I read it and I was like, this is dumb, whatever. I, I, there's no way that this is like a good thing. And then I realized later on that I wrote that thing that they had sent me. and I just and I didn't recognize it because I didn't go back and read it, but I had to go back later on, and I was like, "Oh shit, that was mine. Wow, really, really bad. way to go, way to go. And that's like not even a like I'm not talking about years ago, like I wrote a thing last <laughs> that was Tuesday, week. yeah, <laughs> that I wrote a thing last week that I will probably never read again or I'll just never go back to it. I just and when I'm working on a thing, I'm like, oh, this is great. This is like the best thing I've ever written. And as soon as I turn it in and it goes off to the editor, I'm like, oh shit, that's a terrible. That was terrible. i never <laughs> want to see that again.
0: That doesn't change, huh? That doesn't go
1: away. It doesn't. I thought it would. I thought that would go away. I thought I would feel uh, more comfortable in this role. I thought I would feel more comfortable in like talking about writing or like talking about some of the things that I've done and it just doesn't it doesn't happen
0: you think feeling that way is sort of like uh intrinsic to the work like if you didn't if you didn't feel that way maybe you couldn't do it
1: yeah i think at a certain level every person who does a thing that they care about feels that way you're like how do i do this a little bit better than i did it before how do I do this a little bit better than I did three weeks ago or six months ago or two years ago? Like that's what makes the people who are good at stuff, good at stuff. You don't just get to a certain spot and go like, Oh, I did it. I figured it out. I've mastered writing. Like the, the best people are usually the ones who don't do that. So I think that's a good feeling to have in your chest. It's never something I'm like trying to get rid of. I feel like if I stop at one point feeling like I suck at this,
0: then I, I'm i probably going to really suck it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I do. I got one more question I'll let you go, which is okay. a bunch of the books that you cited, what seemed to appeal to you about them, at least in part, was this, like what you said, unmitigated confidence of writing them for yourself, mm-hmm. putting the thing out in the world that you find interesting. I wonder how that interacts with knowing that anything you write now is going to find an audience. Like, you know the people are there and is there some relationship between knowing that actually more and more people are there like Barack Obama is going to read your stuff. Right, right, right. Um, And, and trying to stay true to the thing that you want to put out in the world. How do you keep that part of it knowing that the audience is there?
1: Well, I think knowing that the audience is there for me anyway, like I don't worry about it anymore because, okay, Maybe it's a tricky thing to explain, but I think there are like two versions of this. I think there are the writers who are so obviously good at a thing that it doesn't matter if they have very few followers on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever. They're going to write a thing, and they're not going to have to like go on social media and promote it and do a bunch of interviews and do all that stuff. Their stuff is good enough that if they put it out people will find it and people will read it like there's like a top level of writers who are able to do that and so they write with that confidence because they know it doesn't matter i know this is good and if it finds a home awesome if not i'm not worried about it but probably it will so there's like that version of it and then there's like the version that i'm doing here where i have at this point built up enough people following me on on twitter that i know writing a thing is going to find a home not because it's going to be like this great transcendent writing but just because at this point, we all sort of feel like friends. So when I write a thing, I don't worry too much about like what other people are going to say about it or how they're going to feel about it, because I know when I put out whatever it is that I put out, this small group of people will definitely go get it. Here's a perfect example. Recently, I wrote a thing. uh, This was like a self-published book, a PDF is what it was. It was not even like a physical copy, but I was selling a PDF and it was 10 illustrated essays about the TV show Scrubs. Scrubs has been off the air for almost two decades, but it's a TV show that I like. It like provides me a certain amount of comfort and I'm, I watch it all the time. Like usually at night when you're like a unwinding and I said, oh, I'm going to write about this. I did not even bother to think, is there an appetite for 10 essays about this TV show that has not been on the air for 20 years. I said, I'm just going to write it and I'm going to put it out because I know I got a certain level, you know, I might be able to sell 500 copies of this or a thousand copies of this directly on Twitter. I wouldn't too worried about it, but it's like this incredibly nerdy thing that I cared about deeply, but I didn't have to worry about like, I pitched it to an uh, like a a proper book publisher just to see. And they were like, oh, this sounds terrible. We're not interested (laughs) in this. At all, we will, we'll buy it if you like really are pressing us, but we're only going to give you like $30,000 for it, which is not a ton of money for a book that you're going to put out there. So I was like, you know, I like the, the publishers weren't super interested in it, but I didn't have to worry about that part because I knew I could go this other way and just like do it on my own. And like, if it works, it works. And if not, then who cares? Did it work? I mean, I thought I looked at it afterward and it looked cool. Arturo did a great job illustrating it. My designer did a great job designing it. I thought it worked. It didn't sell like a ton of copies, but I wasn't too, too worried about that. You know, I made my $30,000 that the publisher was going to pay me and I didn't have to do all the publisher stuff. So I felt like it worked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Shay, thank you for doing this, man. Yeah, no sweat. This was fun. The Books That Changed Us is made in partnership with Longform and MailChimp Presents. The show is produced by Janelle Pfeiffer, art by Joel Avellino, music by Aaron Lamer. Thank you to Shea Serrano for sharing the books that changed him. You can find the whole Buy the Books lineup at MailChimp.com presents.